0: Alrighty everyone, welcome back. This is Stavis Killian with Rare Petro bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on July 18th, 2022. The weather this past weekend was phenomenal. Though it was hot, it was a great opportunity to get outside and get some of that sun. I went golfing with a few of my friends on Sunday and it did get heated at the end, but I can't really blame anyone. Imagine having a phenomenal drive and a great approach that lands perfectly on the green where the pin used to be that's right the course had changed its flag location and moved it to another green entirely that was nearby on the left completely different than what the map read fortunately it wasn't me that experienced it rather than one of the others in the group i was able to salvage one of the better drives of my life and make a wonderful approach to the other green the correct green but jim if you're listening i gotta say i would not have blamed you if you tore up that green and got us banned from the course But you didn't come here to listen to the stories of a group of degenerate golfers. You came here to get the scoop on the biggest oil and gas news and the best data analysis this podcast space has to offer. First, we start with the commodity prices. Last week, WTI was coming down from over $100 prices. This week, it's headed above $100 prices. Brent is also maintaining its $3 to $4 lead as it trends upward as well. I'm not sure which direction those commodities are headed through the rest of this week, but I would not be surprised if we return to $120 barrels anytime soon. Winter's fast approaching, and folks are worried about securing good enough supplies to weather the storm. The most valuable of the winter commodities seems to be natural gas. With growing fears of securing enough supply internationally in a hot, hot week domestically, natural gas is back up to $750. Not bad considering we were only at 650 this time last week. In fact, 650 dollars was the number for natural gas pretty much through the whole duration of last week as it remained there as late as Friday. Mondays are incredibly volatile and a 15% over the weekend price increase is likely going to get snuffed out by the end of day. I imagine that price will settle down in the low $7 range. Still, a positive week for commodity prices, which just means gasoline may go right back up to where it was at the $5 average. Next up is the rig count. Overall, we are up four rigs on the week, bringing us to a total of 756, which is 272 more rigs than we had this time last year. Like last week, this report's pretty quiet. Basin by basin, the Granite Wash steps up and tacks on two new rigs, bringing them to a total of five. The next best was the Eagleford, who added one rig, bringing its total to 69. Nice. The Haynesville was the only major basin to lose a rig. Otherwise, the rest of the country's quiet. If we were to look at it state by state, Texas is clearly leading with four rigs. Oklahoma follows with three, while Cali and North Dakota bring up the rear with one each. New Mexico lost two rigs, and Louisiana is down three. The offshore environment is in the same boat as Louisiana, as they also lost three rigs. So overall, that's seven new land rigs and three fewer offshore rigs. The most interesting data point is the fact that these four net new rigs will be targeting an even split of oil and miscellaneous that's right two miscellaneous holes doubling the total what exactly does miscellaneous mean if it's not oil or gas is that helium rare earth mineral saturated fluids funky test wells for new sequestration technologies i've got absolutely no clue but it seems someone is drilling either horizontal or vertical wells for a non hydrocarbon reason either way another modest but positive rig count that i'm happy to see Lastly, we have to take a look at those domestic inventories. If you missed the latest Thirsty Thursday report, I can get you all caught up, though I have no drink left to share with you. The world watched and held its breath as the EIA released its most recent report. After the last report's 8 million barrel build, no one was sure which way domestic inventories would go. The EIA predicted the smallest of drawdowns at 150,000 barrels, but the reported build was not as large before, still significant at 3.25 million. The API came out swinging with a much more positive prediction of a 2 million barrel drawdown, but they actually reported a larger build than the EIA by about 1.5 million. While this build brings down commodity prices a little bit, it also pushes the U.S. crude inventories further into historically normal territory. While still close to the lower boundary, the inventories should progress closer to the center if they can at least maintain current levels. Otherwise, winter could prove to be difficult starting sometime around November. Till then, we'll have to see if we are in for more weeks of builds. There's been another big build of gasoline. The 5.8 million barrel build is going to be useful in bringing down short-term gas prices, but it still leaves inventories about 5% below that historic five-year range. While many are celebrating the success of the Biden administration's SPR draining and proposed tax holiday, the bigger driver here is most likely the drop in commodity prices. $120 oil was a normal couple of weeks back, but... Now we find ourselves closer to 100. Should commodity prices go back up, expect gas prices to also go back up. Gas prices are now down about 40 cents on the month. This temporary reprieve was much needed, but no one can be certain how long it will last. More and more gas stations are able to sell gasoline for less than $3.99, with the state of Georgia having the lowest average state price at $4.15 per gallon of regular. California is home to the highest at $5,991. Both distillate and propane inventories increased last week, though you would probably expect that for this time period, but they both remained lower than the historic five-year range. A year ago today, distillates were trending downwards into historically low territory. Now it's trending upwards while in the bounds of historically low territory. Historically low seems to be one of the most common descriptions we see attached to commodities these days. And that wraps up our weekly statistics. Now, it's time to look at some current events. We've got some really hot stories this week, though I have saved the good stuff for today's recording of the Wacky World of Energy with Anthony. If you haven't watched one of those on YouTube or listened to that podcast yet, I highly recommend you check it out. Otherwise, we will still have a few stories for today that are a little bit less spicy and a little more rooted in fact. We will start with an update to Germany, who seems hell-bent on regressing to the energy landscape of the 1960s. As Russia cuts off more and more of Europe from receiving gas supplies, its biggest customer is doing its best to soothe fears. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz said that the reactivation of lignite and oil-fired power plants is only temporary. He said, quote, The fact that because of Russia's brutal attack on Ukraine, we now have to temporarily use some power plants that we've already taken out of operation is bitter, but it is only for a very short time." Though I would put more blame on Germany for relying on Russia for 40% of its gas deliveries, the world's sanctions surely aren't benefiting energy security in Europe. In response... Germany has started, well, restarted 16 mothballed hydrocarbon power plants and extended the operation licenses of 11 others as it hopes to conserve gas by burning coal and oil, something I never thought I'd be able to hear. That is right. In order to make sure they don't use up all of the abundantly available natural gas resources, they're pivoting to dirtier, older, and less efficient forms of power generation. While it will do wonders for protecting their economies, it will certainly be difficult to transition away from fossil fuels, as they call them. Even the head of the German Federation of Trade Unions is concerned, as earlier this month he said, quote, entire industries are in danger of collapsing permanently because of the gas bottlenecks, aluminum, glass, the chemical industry, end quote. That is the reality of not having enough energy supplies secured and outsourcing hydrocarbon production has been a great way to ignore that in the past. Sure, Germany has a ton of great renewable energy infrastructure in place, and they regularly brag about it. But it don't mean diddly squat if you have no hydrocarbon baseload. We even talked about this in last week's Wacky World episode as France is refitting its power infrastructure to be functional with coal and oil. Our lifestyles are supported by hydrocarbons, and that's something that more of the world is recognizing every day. Next, we look at China, who's slowly choking out exports from their country. If you didn't know, there is a mix of government and private industry in the country. Now, if this was a video podcast, I would have hit you with the air quotes when saying private because all decisions for those companies are still controlled by the CCP in some capacity. The hottest topic as of late relates to fuel exports. Gasoline exports are down 42% annually for half one of 2022. If you think that sounds excessive, know that diesel is down 84% from last year. Though the government issued its latest batch of export quotas, total quotes for this year are still down 39% from where they were at this point last year. As Reuters notes, this still allows enough export for refiners to make money on sales to international markets, but not enough to have a positive impact on the global supply crunch. While some folks feel this is China doing its best to profit just a bit and keep commodity prices high and keep energy prices high in unfriendly countries, China has stated that they asked refineries to slow their role on fuel exports in April due to concerns of oil supply. A funny notion once you consider that they are one of the largest importers of cheap Russian fuel, but I'll allow you to draw your own conclusions from the facts we've laid out. The US has been importing loads of fuel amidst our record high gas prices, so Let's hope that we weren't too dependent on China to meet our gasoline and diesel demand as we lose more and more refining capacity. Current events are framing some very interesting conversations about how we get our hydrocarbons, where we get them from, and how they're used. It seems that those with energy resources will benefit and can aid those who don't, but the American political climate has left these policies in a sort of gridlock. Whether that is the presidential administration performing a balancing act between appeasing voters on climate policy and securing energy resources, or the Supreme Court ruling that the EPA has overstepped its bounds, we've just got lots of different stakeholders that have ground the energy transition to a halt. We've got some important questions to consider, but I think the United States can emerge stronger from this experience. But that is all I have for you for this episode. Remember to frack that follow button on whatever podcast platform you listen through so you don't miss out on any of the content we release. Like I mentioned, we got a great episode of the Wacky World of Energy coming out later this week, so keep your eyes peeled. Otherwise, we put a bunch of other content on LinkedIn should you choose to follow. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.